Welcome to a new episode of It's Not Academic, the podcast, where we explore issues related to higher education. In this episode, we talk to Manaz Tabassam, Student Success Advisor at Centennial College. In her current role at Centennial and previously at Pathways to Education, Manaz has worked to reduce barriers that can prevent students from moving on to post-secondary and succeeding while there. We talked to her about her experiences growing up and how they help shape the work she does. Thanks a lot for coming in today, Manaz. Thanks for having me. On such a cold morning. <laughs> so I'd like to start by asking you about your experiences growing up and how uh, that shaped your uh, views of higher education and the uh, need for student support initiatives. Um, so for like most immigrant families, for education is key. Right, that culture of education was always there. Um, my dad's a doctor, and my mom definitely, like, she never went to post-secondary, but education was one of the most important things in our family. Um, it, you could say it's one of the reasons why our family came here, and as I always mentioned, like, immigrant families, for them, education is kind of the way to be successful, and I put that in air quotes, um, <laughs> once you're here. Um, so for me, like, Education was constantly emphasized in the household. I knew I was going to go to university or college. That was not a question. It's about waiting to turn 18 to get there. Um, But I think also for me, it being in a household of two siblings, myself and my brother, we both had entirely two different experiences within the education system. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you could kind of say good cheap, bad cheap. For me, education was easy. I studied. I, you know, I was either at home studying or, you know, I was in school. Um, I remember early years, like my teachers during teacher, like parent-teacher conferences saying, oh, you know, she's very motivated, she takes initiative. And I remember, I recall those. Yet my brother had a very different experience for him. School wasn't a safe space, right? He wasn't, he didn't have mentors that provided him with support. He didn't have... Um, he had a lot of issues in school, studying, getting good grades, but for us to only find out in grade 10, well along his years, while he's already been disengaged from school, going to school for the sake of being in classes, but finding out in grade 10 that he does have a learning exceptionality and that, you know, that could have played a part. And I remember growing up, you know, as a child, you don't realize, it's like, well, I study, you don't. Right. right. It's like, mm-hmm. I'm here, I'm studying, but you're not. So that's the reason why you aren't doing well. That's the reason why I get A's. You don't get it. But when you realize, and even in grade 10, it was finding that out, still didn't click a bell, you know, in your head. Nothing like that. I went off to university. I, you know, I kind of focused on my school. But when I was there, then I started noticing a lot of my friends. You know, they, were, they would go to the learning centers and they would go to the disability support office. And that's when it started to click in, oh, this is an actual thing. So I think for me, just that experience alone, <clears throat> growing up, and especially, and I think from families that come from different places, learning exceptionalities and disabilities are not recognized. So you don't really see that impact. So for me growing up, a lot of what my brother went through was more his issue. But now as, you know, as a divisor and being able to, you know, being in the higher education field, you notice that students actually need help. There's a different type of learning. It take it may take longer. It may, you know, need more support and that our systems need to be able to provide them, mm-hmm. right? And ideally at cost-free to our students. So like for my brother, like once he knew that, once I kind of went through my schooling, I was able to come back and say, hey, there's this level of support. 
you can still do it. And he did it. Like, it took him a while. Like, yes, he didn't have that traditional route of 18, going to college, 24, out of college. For him, he went to college later, but he finished. But he knew, okay, this is the challenge I have. Here's how I need to do it. I need to study longer. Maybe I need to take breaks, etc. Like, But he did it in the long run, right? But not having that knowledge, I think, for me, was what really pursued me to go into this field, is that students need support. And right now, within the higher education field, with your student development um, and student supports and services, student life, you have a huge emphasis on how do we support our students that I don't think even existed while I was there. Mm -hmm. And if it was, then I was definitely not one of the students who was aware of it or took, you know, took advantage of it. Um, but but definitely that culture is now shifting, and I'm, I'm glad to see it. So, yeah. So, uh, did that drive you to get involved with the Pathways to Education program? Your experiences growing up in, uh, as you say, in a family where education was very important, and, and having a sibling that did struggle a bit. And- you know, Pathways to Education as a student of the program, and then later on as a staff. I want to say it was fate. It was I, I did not intentionally go into that work. It was actually one of my mentors at Pathways Education. When I graduated, I met up with her again and said, hey, this is what I love doing in school. Here's my degree, but I don't know what to do. And she's the one who suggested, hey, do this. Yes, you have a human resource background and psychology background, but do this to just to see what you're doing. And then once you get that job that is in your field, you can go ahead and do that. Mm-hmm. But for me, once I started, I started as an academic support um, facilitator, and that's what kind of opened the door. Like, you know, growing up, I think I want to call myself a nerd, and it's like, <laughs> I love learning. So this was just like, oh, I get to support students on how to learn. We'd have after-school programming and, like, doing workshops and to better support them, time management, organizational skills, really even just talking about what do you want to do after. Mm-hmm. And if, if, if it's not doctor, engineer, and lawyer, then what is it? Because we have to, you know, kind of battle that with your parents who might want you to be a doctor, engineer, lawyer. Right. Um, so that's kind of... I, I I came into it by accident, but I feel like that's where I found my passion for, okay, this is really what I wanted to do. I know it has to be academic, and I know it has to be with students, and that's how I kind of got into my master's of education. And then, and so you're now working as a student success advisor at Centennial College, is mm-hmm. that right? Yeah. yeah. So can you describe your role and the types of support services uh, you provide to students? Mm-hmm. So the role is fairly new. Um, the main concept and it's very similar for those that know about pathways to education it's very similar in that students don't just have school they have a whole bunch of other things going on in life and especially at a college level and at centennial college school is part of one of the priorities right a lot of families a lot of students who are right out of high school a large population of international students who are here without their family supports that we have to actually acknowledge that. So uh, one of the main key aspects of the role is holistic student support. That we don't just look at what you're doing in school, but we're looking at the social and the personal challenges that you may have. So when I'm speaking to a student, we're really looking to see, are you working? Because if you're working, that has a huge impact on your education. I have some students who, for example, will work 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. and have an 8.30 class. How do I support that student? How do I kind of advocate to provide them with an alternative class that's later in the day? And if we can't do that, then how do we better time manage? 
So that's kind of one aspect. But then also a huge thing is a lot of students who don't come from a culture of education, who are first generation, they're the first one in the family to go. They don't have support service, supports at home to tell them how to do it. It's really the one place that I they can come to and I can connect them with everything that they need. Because there's a lot of things going on. And for most students, they are going to go to class and go home. They will go to class, go to work, go to class and take care of the family, pick up their child, whatever the case is. But they might not have the opportunity to go out and just hang out on campus. So for me, it's really to be able to be aware of all the supports and services so that when a student comes, I'm able to provide that. So you're sort of the front line. Right. Yeah. And and I think the model is really focused on a one-stop shop model. So students... We have a lot of part-time faculty. Colleges in general have a lot of part-time faculty that aren't there outside of class time. Some of our faculty that are coordinators that are full-time also teach, so they're not at the office all the time when the students need it. So we're that one person that's there, regardless of what challenge you have. You can access us. We're in the office during your work during your uh, work hours you can come by and we can then kind of see who you need to connect with whether that's the faculty whether that's learning services whether that's financial services international office we will kind of be that person to answer your questions but direct you so that you're not going being bounced around all over the place how do students find out about you that's something we're working on so, it, like I mentioned, it is brand new. One of the ways is registration, which is currently yeah. happening. So, it's, it's a great opportunity. Students, a lot of students, as much as technology has advanced, a lot of students would rather just see person to, somebody face-to-face and have them, okay, what courses do I need? Just tell me and I'll do it. Um, and so, we've kind of used that or I've used that as a way to engage with the students. Once I've done what they really need, which is adding a course more, then I kind of end off with, hey, I'm here if you need any other supports in the new year, feel free to drop by. Um, I think we're looking into a marketing of the position itself. Because we're all brand new, there were about 22 of us hired at the same time, we're really getting used to the college, and I think there's, there's a move towards marketing it as you have a success advisor, you're my CA. Um, that's so we, we're, we're looking to brand that. For now, a lot of email communication. We've done workshops as well, but it's always through word of mouth. And I've noticed a few interactions that I've had just being there the last five months. Students have come. I have students who are coming to me regularly who I know them by name by now, or they're saying, hey, I brought a friend. They have a similar issue to what I had. So it's traveling by word of mouth. Um, but I definitely see it being marketed as well. Is this so? You mentioned that it's new to Centennial. Mm-hmm. Is it is it something that other colleges and universities are also uh, starting to do? I can't answer that, but most definitely in my three years of job searching, this was one of the most unique postings I've seen, which is very much targeted towards holistic support towards um, relationship building, towards academic, personal, social help, and then as well as not just advising transactionally, so you need a course added, let me add it, but really looking at developmental advising, so going beyond just the school. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it, it's something that I've seen brand new, So, and from my experience, even as a student, I don't remember my advisor be, having the time, right? Sometimes students will apologize, like, I'm sorry, I'm taking up your time. That's fine. But as long as you get quality of that advising and you feel comfortable coming back, right? Um, When it gets very crazy, student lineups can get crazy sometimes. But 
it's not about finishing the line. It's really about supporting that student. And some students need just need someone to talk to and being able to be there. I don't think I've seen that. Or right now, the shift that we're going towards is to be able to open that up, right? It, it, like I mentioned, it's a new model. So there's still a lot of transactional components, but slowly needing to move towards making more time and making the advising more quality than quantity. Hmm. Uh, it sounds like a great program. Thanks yeah. for coming in and telling us about it. Yeah, no problem. Good luck. Thank you. Thank you.